Everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in dining room studios with repeat guest Paul F. Tompkins. Welcome back to the show. It's been a number of years. It has been a number of years. Let's not put a number on that number. I have no intention of doing so. Thank you, girlfriend. I got your back, girlfriend. <laughs> Can I say in your theme song? Yes. With her, the good times never end. They never ever end. That's a bold promise. I know. It's kind of, I was just listening to the most recent Spontanea Nation. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? You are saying it entirely correct. Perfect. Okay. And you introduced (laughs) Jessica Chaffin. Am I saying that right? Yes. I'm going to say that after every four words, I'm going to ask if I'm saying them right. (laughs) Um, As hysterical or hilarious. Mm -hmm. And then she did not appreciate. You front loading it in that way because then she would have to live up to it. Yes. It's like my theme song does that. But do you feel, but you are, are you, can I ask, are you the author of your own theme song? I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I, no. I did sign off on it though. Sure. So I when you like heard it's it, it's accurate. Yeah, well, there you go. There I you like go. to think with me the good times never end except at the end of the podcast. The podcast ends. But I That's, don't. But the good times That's continue. Right. Now, you are wearing a little <laughs> fabric flower on your suit. Yes, I am. Did that come on the suit or is that something that you added? I realize it's a, that sounded negative the way I said it. And I didn't mean it that way. I just wanted to know to what degree you're accessorizing. I, it, I, it all looks good. I am uh, not only signing off on all my accessories, I am also <laughs> in control of them. You're the author of them? Yes, I'm the author of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, this is a little thing um, that I that I discovered online. I found these little fabric flowers and I really, I like them a lot. There's something a little different than a pocket square or something like that. It's just a little splash of color. Now it's a pop. That's what we call it in the a fashion industry. A pop of color. Thank you. Thank you, Mood. But I I think your tie is providing <laughs> your yellow, golden yellow, mustard mm-hmm. yellow, yellow with a hint of orange-esque tie is the pop of color. Mm-hmm. The flower is is what it, a splash? Is that what you said? I think that's right. Yeah, I got a pop and a splash. <laughs> just to, just to cover all. Just bases. like the E logo. Now, <laughs> certainly, and I don't intend to spend the whole podcast talking about this. Just a lot more of it. Sure. Certainly, these little fabric flowers are not called little fabric flowers. Online, are I, they? I think they are called button flowers. I think they have various names because various people make them. Okay. And and the way they work is it's it's sewn onto a button I and then I put that, that through the through the buttonhole in my lapel. That's perfect. Word word to the fellas out there. That little button notch in your lapel, you can open that up if you wish. Jeff, and you could you could put decorative things in there. D- your your button notch is just sitting there like so much nothing. <laughs> Just like a big zilch. That's not just for holding crumbs from uh, my lunch? <laughs> nope. You can put a flower in it. I didn't even realize there was one there. I just looked to check while he was talking about it. There it is. Yeah, there you All go. Right. There it is. Now we know. A sports jacket, guys. Tips back and forth. <laughs> exactly. Opportunities for fun. That's right. So a thing <laughs> that I like to avoid is doing the exact same interview over again, which is right. why I went back and I listened to our interview. And you were on the show so early it was back in the day when I thought it was a good idea to do a super long episode and then break it into two parts and release them both in one week. I uh, 
no longer do that. Now I do two different episodes. But anyway, I think <laughs> that I, it might have been the definitive Paul F. Tompkins interview. I don't know where to go from here. We covered everything. But since, as I have said, I don't want to just do the same thing. I'm just going to bring the audience up to speed on you via what I remember of you from listening. Okay. This is intriguing. So you got started in sketch. Improv came much later. Is that correct? I would say I got started in stand-up. Oh. And then sketch, and then improv much, much later. Okay. Yes. But no formal improv training, really. No, still none. Still none. Even though it would probably be a good idea. I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're doing great. Um, in fact, we'll take some questions that people sent in over Twitter later in the show, but a question that popped up repeatedly was about your lack of improv training. I mean, in a positive way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Not I think like, people are who just. Who does this guy think he no, is? No, no, no. I think people are just. I well, people are wondering where did you learn to do improv? And then some people know that you don't. You didn't have any formal training. It's just how can that be? How can you be so good without having, um, you know, been under the tutelage of Del Close? I mean, I I think that I, I think first stand up is is can be improv training in a way because you have to be very. Uh, you have to be very present because anything can happen in the room while you're up there and you're the only person with a microphone and it's, you're kind of, you're kind of in charge, you know, so that if, if there's a weird thing happening, if somebody starts talking, if somebody drops something, if whatever, there, there's some kind of disturbance in the room, you have to be very uh, present in order to deal with that in a funny way that puts people at ease. Also, you have to be able to read the room. So you're, you're, you can adjust your performance and modulate things. So that's a form of improv training. But when it comes to talking with other people and doing scenes and stuff like that, I think that podcasting was a huge uh, school of improv for me. When I started doing characters and stuff like that, and and uh, I really learned by, um, you know, watching the uh, like the best improvisers in Los Angeles do what they do, and and I would pick things up and I would, I would hear them talk about it in interviews and podcast. Cause I'm a podcast consumer as well as a, as a frequent guest and podcaster myself. And, um, I really, uh, I think I learned everything I know about improv from these great, great people who were maybe not aware that they were teaching me. And was that primarily on comedy bang, bang that you were encountering that? Com- I did. I've done so many comedy bang, bang episodes and, and or comedy uh, death ray at that point, probably. Yeah. In the early days. That's right. I was just at the, um, at the, the, the old, uh, building where it started, uh, when it was still an internet radio show on, uh, Indy one Oh one. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, a huge doing that show was a huge turning point for me and opened up this whole new avenue of creativity that I hadn't really considered. You know, the, the first time that Scott asked Scott Ackerman asked me to do the show. And did you know him from Mr. Show? I know him pre Mr. Show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we all kind of got around. There's a group of us that all kind of got to Los Angeles around the same time. Um, and it was a bit very much, uh, as big and as, um, incredible a community then as it is now, you know? Um, but Scott asked me, uh, you know, he asked me to do the show and said, you could be yourself. You could be a character. And it never would have occurred to me to do a character. And I thought that would be fun. And that set me off on this path that, uh, I'm so grateful to him for asking me that because it, it really did open up a whole new world for me. What was the first character that you did? I think the first character that I did might have been ice tea. I think that might have been the first one that I did on comedy, Death Ray. 
Then bang, bang. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So going back to the things that I know about you, <laughs> we share a love of Sniglets, That's right. which no young people, Jeff, I'm glad to see you laughing because you're our age. This is where having an old producer comes in handy. <laughs> the young people of today don't know what Sniglets are. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You worked on DAG. <laughs> The sitcom sorry, that potentially no one has seen. Swallowing some water. <laughs> potentially no one has seen it. Some people have seen it. I like the people that worked on it, certainly. I mean, we all watched it while it was happening. <laughs> right. So. Is, that, is that a good sign when you do a spit take over your own career credits? <laughs> <laughs> you also worked on Kelsey Grammer Presents, which was short little puns. I'm sorry. Kelsey Grammer Presents The Sketch Show. Oh. Because the- I think which is the better title. Oh, they're both terrible. the The original <laughs> title in uh, in Britain was the Sketch Show, mm-hmm. and then when they came here, they're like, "We better put Kelsey Grammer's name on it, so right. people know this is something presented with pride." <laughs> so now we know exactly what we're not watching. This thing that Kelsey Grammer presented, and uh, there was it was a lot of pun based humor. But you're yeah. not a fan of puns. My my relationship with wordplay is very specific because there's a certain kind of word it's um, my approach is it is like pornography to me i know it when i see it like this kind is good and this kind is bad and just just puns for the sake of puns just two words that sound alike mm-hmm. that is far from my favorite thing but i i in along in the vein of sniglets like making up words or combining words that is the kind of thing that i really really enjoy a lot yeah I think if I can tell you how you feel, if there's cleverness there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then yeah, yeah. it's uh, and creativity, then it's yeah. good. If it's like the second or third thought rather than the the first thought, right? I think I'm more inclined to enjoy it. Would you say that you enjoy something that's a play on words, but you don't like puns? Yeah, I think there's a difference. Yes, I think there's absolutely a difference. A, a pun really is just a a sound alike joke, mm-hmm. and uh, it it it's it's the it's the bare minimum of cleverness Puns in are terms of humor. Oftentimes, I would say many a dad joke, at least many of my dad's sure, jokes, sure. are puns. How many dads are you up to now? Like over two. <laughs> yeah. So I've got that show beat. You struggle with anxiety and fear, or you did. Do you I still? still do, sure. How's your, uh, how's your journey with that? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is better. Uh, I think that I am able to talk myself down from ledges faster than I used to be able to do. Um, I still get, you know what I've discovered since then is that a lot of my problems are due to lack of sleep Mm. and sleep. I never really thought about how important it is, but it turns out it's very, very important. Yes. And uh, as much as we don't necessarily know what evolutionary process it serves, it's pretty obvious that you feel better <laughs> when you get a bunch of sleep. And I, I am a, I'm a terrible sleeper, and so I'm now able to realize, like when I, if I, if I'm anxious or if I'm, you know, easily upset or whatever, if I'm feeling negative. I kind of realize, oh, I'm also tired. And I think that probably has a, a lot to do with it. Yes. I'm the same way. If I don't get enough sleep, just my I have no buffer. So yeah. everything yeah. sets me off. Yeah. But yeah, you're right that it's I don't always realize it's because I don't have enough sleep. I'm just trying to figure out what in my world is wrong and then I'm convinced things are wrong. Yeah. So are you a light sleeper? I'm a light sleeper. I'm woken up very easily. 
Um, my wife is, uh, she sleeps like a champ and I'm so jealous, but she can fall asleep immediately and she can stay out for hours and hours and hours. And I, little noises will wake me up Mm -hmm. and things like that. It's actually gotten better in the last couple weeks. Um, I have started taking, uh, melatonin. I've heard of that. Yeah. And it helps me sleep through the night. It helps me sleep through. I I don't necessarily sleep as long as I would like, but I get more sleep than I don't. How how much sleep do you get, would you say? I would say I probably average six hours. Mm -hmm. And I would like to get eight hours, but that's very rare. And what are the kind of things that will bring about anxiety or fear in you? Oh, it, it's the unexpected, you know, it's, or the unknown, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's the unknown. It's it's not knowing how a thing is going to go, whether it's, it's a, a, you know, an audition or a meeting or, you know, a going from one place to another and a, a place that I haven't been before. And like, how much time am I supposed to allow for that? And the map says this, but maybe I should leave earlier. And I'm always late, always late, always late all the time for everything. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that I used to... Like if I was if I were late for something, I would be very very upset in the car the whole time, knowing I was going to be late. And now I, I'm able to tell myself, well, there's nothing you can do about it. So just relax. Don't get in an accident <laughs> because you're Maybe angry. Even later, because you're you you're filled with self rage and you're <laughs> going to smash into somebody. Um, so it's 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 that kind of thing of of just kind of looking at life big picture and saying it's not this is not the end of the world Mm. you're gonna be five minutes late for this thing like take it easy you know and where's your wife with all of that oh i think she's she has her own different set of anxieties you know she's i don't but i don't think she's nearly as as um as anxious and reactionary as i am you know she's she's a pretty even keeled person i mean everybody has their moments but i think she is um she is great at keeping uh, a pretty positive attitude about things, you know, and certainly with with my stuff, you know, she's always she's like crazily supportive and, you know, um, and she's always on my side. And it's it's uh, it's kind of amazing. That's nice. Yeah, it's a very nice thing. Do you I'm going really dark really early. Do sure. you suffer or deal with depression at all? Because my oh, new yeah. theory Okay. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say my new theory is that people are usually either like anxiety is their thing or depression is. And for me, I tend more towards depression than anxiety. Mm-hmm. But but you get both? I I think it's uh, I, I think it's all of a piece for me, you know. Um I had a depression um uh I think not long after the last time we recorded together. Oh, I hope I, it had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I think it was the following year and it was it was really bad. And I never kind of knew what depression was. Mm-hmm. And then when I was experiencing it, um I I got like, "Oh, I see what this is and why it's a thing that uh, from the outside people say, "Well, just snap out of it," or you know, you're feeling sorry Go for yourself. And it's, yeah, and it's like it's this it's this thing that you really feel that you have no control over. Because and the last thing you want to be doing is feeling the way that you're feeling, right? And that can create even more. Oh yeah, slash anxiety. absolutely. But like waking up every day and just ha- feeling like no hope about mm-hmm. anything, and and tr- and that 
I like would try to talk myself out of it. Like I look at my life objectively and say, you have a good life. Why are you feeling this way? You know, try to embrace the positive things and you just, you kind of can't do it. You know, it's like, it's like a thing is on top of you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I went on antidepressants for about a year. It helped enormously. What one did you take? I took Zoloft mm -hmm. and, uh, I couldn't think of the name for a second because it was the generic. <laughs> um, and it really, it, it was enormously helpful. It was enormously helpful. And then after about a year, I felt like, okay, I think I'm doing pretty good. And I gradually tapered off of it. And it's been another year since then. And, uh, you know, so far, so good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not, it, it was a, it, it was a, th it was definitely a thing where I had to, to keep in mind okay, you're still going to have bad days. You're still going to be sad sometimes. You're still going to be worried or whatever. That's just normal. And now, uh, and, and realizing like, oh, I'll know when that happens again. When I get into that place, it's, this is not that, you know? So like going through a, a, a week of frustrations about work or or whatever and realizing, okay, I'm upset about this, but I know that I'm not, depressed mm -hmm. like I was. I know that I'm I'm on the other end of that and and also knowing and I think it's important for people to to keep in mind this is a thing that is there for you if you need it. And so I uh, I know that that people and I myself included have um uh, reservations about medication and it seems scary. And again, it's the unknown. It's like, I don't know how this is going to make me feel, you know. And you you worry, I understand the worries of uh, I'm not going to be me anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be like drugged out or in a, or like just numb or whatever. And it was never really like that, you know, and there, and there's, of course, there's all different drugs. There's all different dosages and stuff like that. And you find the combination of things that works for you. But, uh, when I went off medication, I realized like, oh, if I have to, I will do that again. You know, I, I will not, I have, I will have no shame or compunction about that whatsoever. Like it's a tool, you know, it's, it's science and it's helpful. Yeah. I had a lot of fears for a long time about antidepressants. Um, and I think personally I still do, although they've helped a lot of people around me. And even I'm currently trying to get pregnant. If I weren't, I probably, it's weird that you're doing the interview while that's happening, by the way. I know. I hope it's not distracting well, for you. I, it's distracting. <laughs> I, we talked ahead of time, though, and you said that you thought that you could sort of separate, like, I thought I could over here. I thought I could compartmentalize. This conversation. Just don't look directly at it. You can still hear my voice. Try to ignore the other sounds. Directly at it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. That's okay. That was, was that worth it? That wasn't worth it. I think it. it was worth it. I think so. <laughs> if I weren't currently trying to get pregnant... Um, I think next time I felt pretty depressed, I would consider it, mm -hmm. uh, just because they've helped so many people around me. So yeah. was there any sort of like, oh, I, I feel different. I don't feel like myself, anything like that. No, I would say that, uh, it, no, there really wasn't. There really wasn't. I always felt like me. I always, I always felt like my thoughts were my thoughts and, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't prevent me. Like when I was on the medication, I wasn't just happy all the time. Mm. You know, it didn't prevent me from having, um, negative thoughts or anything. It just helped me. It helped me have perspective. You know, it just, right. it just like adjusted. Didn't sink as low. Yeah. It just adjusted the chemicals enough that I was able to function and I was able to do stuff and I was able to, to reason things out. <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't feel like there was, 
there was uh, something, you know, on top of me the mm-hmm. way that it, it, it was with the depression. Sometimes I do wonder if all moods are not just somewhat chemical. I mean, I think literally they are pretty much, but there are days well, where I'll wake up and I'll just be like, I'm in a good mood for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the bad moods are kind of the same, but then you find reasons. Oh, I, I'm in a bad mood for no reason. It must be these things that are wrong, but it's not really. It's kind of just a chemical thing. That might be possible. That might be entirely yeah. possible. I mean, obviously, there are situational bad moods. But so anyway, yeah. during the during your depression, do you know what triggered it? Oh, I had a yeah, I had a um, I had a career. I wouldn't even call it a setback because it's like you know I did a pilot that didn't go, mm-hmm. and it's not a career setback because it's very few people know that it happens you know like a pilot is a thing that's almost done in secret and it's it's nice because it's like a secret failure um but it was it was not so much the thing not going it was that the when i before i was told that it didn't go i was first told by the the head of the network uh here's all the things that are wrong with it this is before they did any testing or anything like that and he was he was calling in a, in a sensibly a friendly way to say, hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know, uh, you know, here's the problems with the show and uh, here's the problems with you and how you come off uh, on the show and how you would come off to our audience. And it was, it was it, it was horrible because it was like it was every fear that you would have, mm-hmm. you know, about, yeah, people don't like you for these reasons. And, um, you it's know, like a slam book. Yeah. And so now <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's, it's very difficult. It's been very difficult since then as I approach anything to not think of that phone call right. and everything that this guy said, you know? So I just had a meeting today somewhere to pitch something. I didn't even want to do it. They, they, you know, they came to me with an idea and I was like, well, I don't think that idea is going to work. And they're like, well, what ideas do you have? And I was like, all right, I'll come and tell you my ideas. And, I, and I'm I'm like, I wanted to say I'm going to tell you my ideas, but you're not going to like them. Mm-hmm. And, for these <laughs> yeah, reasons. For these reasons. Um, and so, you know, but I, but that's another thing too, is that in terms of the weird thing about that I went through with my depression was as negative as I felt about everything, I still kept doing all the same stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would like go and keep trying to work. And it was, it was the weirdest feeling like <clears throat> to go, you know, on an audition or do a job or something like that, thinking like, well, this is pointless and stupid. And I don't know why I'm bothering to do this, but I would still do it. Um, and now I feel a little bit of the same I feel that a little bit but it's the perspective is different where it's like I think I kind of know what this meeting is going to be I'm still going to go give it my best effort but I've been through now it's I'm realizing oh well this is experience rather than just uh like a crippling negativity yeah it's like I've guess what I've been doing this a long time so I kind of know what what is going to happen with this and it, right. the meeting was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be <laughs> This friend, quote unquote, who called to say Ooh. all this, <laughs> I, know, I went there, girlfriend. <laughs> um, who did I sound like? Susie Ormond or something. <laughs> or it maybe Sue. Is she still doing that show? I don't know. I haven't seen her in a while. She only has one pair of earrings. That's all I know about her. <laughs> Is that she? Maybe that's all she needs. <laughs> she, she lectures people about their credit cards. Right. And she's, I only have one pair of earrings. What? Why would you need more earrings? That's right. No, she could, but but she has six months savings tucked away, 
and everyone should. Girlfriend. That's right. Okay. This friend and this do you still work with this guy? Uh, or, or gal? I have I have done stuff for the network, but I uh I have not had my own program for this network. Was the show did the show not go for the reasons that he said? I'm assuming because it was focus grouped, you know, a few literally like a two months after that. So in that intervening time, all I had, all I had, I had plenty of time to just roll that conversation around in my head over and over and over again. Was that conversation supposed to be helpful? I honestly think he thought it was. I honestly like, think, but he, it was too I, late for you to change your entire personality and approach to life. Oh, right? absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we had workshopped this show, uh, so much in front of the executives and everything. We, I, it was my idea to do a bunch of practice shows so we could like mm-hmm. get up and running, get, to, get up to speed and figure out what works, what doesn't. And throughout the whole process, like no notes from anybody. And then, um, you know, to get this phone call, it was, it was really, uh, it was devastating, but I, I, I think, I honestly think in his mind. I, I mean, because he's not a bad person. He was not. He was not calling me up specifically to make me feel bad. Right. I think in his mind he was either kind of knew it wasn't going to go and was like letting me down ahead of time. That's my only theory. <laughs> I can't imagine why else because it was. But there was that, so much but detail. Then again, then again, I, 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 I have to, I have to remind myself. This was my perspective on this phone call. Yeah, and this is what this is the stuff that stuck out to me. Now, if I underwent like hypnotherapy and could recall every you know exchange that we had, mm-hmm. although there wasn't much, it was mostly him talking to me, listening. Um, I, I don't know what that would yield. You know, I don't know if there was more positive stuff in there, but you know, my takeaway from it was like, wow, this is not sounding good, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I, I do remember the, the specific things about me and how I'm perceived by their, uh, the audience that they're looking for and how that was not, I mean, it wasn't positive, you know? How was it? Oh, I, I would rather not go into the, oh, the specific yeah. details, but you know, it wasn't good. It was mm-hmm. like, it was basically the, 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 the upshot was, yeah, you're not the kind of person that, um, our audience really wants to hang out with on a TV show on a, for a regular, on a regular basis, you know? Um, Which and it is w- devastating when that's what you're trying to create. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you go someplace else, right. you know, it's sort of like. You know the 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 pitches that I had subsequent to that when I would go other places and and uh, you know and also like this is all I want to do mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so to, to kind of be told like yeah nobody wants you to do that no one wants you to do that and it's not like networks have such vastly different target audiences that you can say oh I'll just go over there and that's where I'll be right up their alley and they'll be like oh thank god our right. audience definitely wants we've, you we've been looking just like, for you yeah everyone's looking for the same people the same age range you know and mm-hmm. and uh so yeah it was really um it's a it still haunts me it still haunts me and i have to like i sometimes feel like i have to literally shake my head to get it out of there you know right. when i'm about to do something but then there's another thing where i say I do have a TV show that I'm doing that is 
a lot of fun. It's on a weird network that most people don't know if they have, if they've even heard of it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a weird show that we do in front of no audience, but I really enjoy doing it. I love the people that I work with and I'm really proud of the show. So even though it's not a thing that, uh, that anyone, (laughs) that the vast majority of people have any idea that it's happening, it feels like it's happening in this strange vacuum. Mm -hmm. It's still something that, is my job and that I get to do that I'm that I'm privileged to do and and for people that never expressed to me that hey our audience doesn't want to hear from you you know um you're talking about no you shut up yeah 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 um and we're we're getting ready to to start up again for a fourth season and it's like this is this is great you know this is great and the fact that I get to do this I'm I'm focusing on that and making that as as good as it possibly can be and putting my heart and soul into that. And uh, I'm going to be even more involved this season. And, you know, that's like not everybody gets to do that, you know? And uh, as much as it's, as it, as much as it feels good and it feels a little bit more secure when you're on a successful thing that people are talking about and you feel like, okay, good, uh, this exists and, you know, like people like it. So uh, probably it's going to stay on the air, you know? Um, Adjusting your perspective means you have to acknowledge that this is a good thing that I get to do. This is a good thing in my life that even though it's not uh, it's not prestigious and it's not like I'm not being quoted left, right, and center, and I'm not being asked to do a lot of talk shows and stuff like that, this is a pretty amazing thing. And if it if it persists in this vacuum forever, great. You know, I have a I have a very nice life working with people that I like, and then I you know, get to come home and hang out with my wife. And it's like, there are worse things in the world. See, I think I'm overstepping. That's the new thing I do, completely overstep my bounds. I think these execs don't truly know 100%. They're just taking a stab. Yeah. And in order to keep going in this industry, because I deal with all sorts of like, I'm a fraud. I'm never, you know, like all sorts of the same thing that everyone deals with. Yeah. I think except for people who are megalomaniacs and just don't deal with that or don't admit to it. But they, I have, think they have a different thing. That, yes. <laughs> I think I'm absolutely not a fraud, but this is all I have because I hate myself. Right. I, <laughs> I will do this and do this and maybe that will make me hate myself less. Yeah. And then it turns out it won't. No, no, because they're still them. <laughs> um, I think you just have to decide, you know what? I, you're wrong. And I do belong on TV mm. and I'm going to keep going. And I know that I have talent. That's what you should decide, Paul yeah. Tompkins. I know that you already have decided that. <laughs> Here's the part of that phone call. But then, baby, shut up. Okay. But then it gets into this thing where, and I'll go through this a lot, where it's not that I don't believe in myself; it's that it's not up to me. So yes. much of this, so much of oh, this yeah. is not up to me. You know, so it's not like I don't think I'm good. I think I'm good. You know, I think mm-hmm. I'm talented. I've been doing this for for a long time, and I've learned a lot of stuff. And I think I've. I think that I, I think that the, the older I get and the more mature I get, the more skills I acquire. Um, so it's not, it, it's not that I, I the, sometimes I have that thing where I do have that feeling of, it is that feeling of, uh, I guess people don't want what I have to offer, mm. you know, even though I think it's good. And I, I, I've certainly gotten enough positive reinforcement that I've made a career for myself. And there's enough people every day who are saying, I like what you do. There's, you know, whatever magic number that you have to hit. Um, 
I don't think I'm going to hit that number. And that is what bums me out sometimes is that I'm trying my hardest. I know. <laughs> this is, I'm giving it everything I got, you know? Yeah. And to, 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 to kind of come to grips with, yeah, but this is, this, this might be the top. This might be, you might have maxed out the amount of people that are interested in the thing you do. And so my, my struggle has been to be okay with that mm-hmm. and to say, but, but this, the, 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 the psychology of this business is, you're always supposed to be looking for the next highest thing. So wherever you are, it's not good enough. It's a stepping stone to whatever the next thing is. Um, and I think there's, you know, what, a tiny handful of people that are, you know, global superstars who are like set for life career wise. But I'm you know. convinced even they are like, oh, I'm losing whatever I used to have. Or oh, it's I'm, not, you know. Then there's that too. Yeah. Once you get on the top, then it's like, well, how can I stay up here? Right. You know? But if you got to think like a guy like, I don't know, like Tom Hanks or Brad Pitt or somebody like that. I mean, I th- I'm sure they have their quaint little self doubts. <laughs> <laughs> we would scoff at whatever their little self doubts exactly. are, though. Exactly. Yeah, stack theirs up against ours. What I mean, if come on? What if Plan B doesn't succeed as a production company? <laughs> I know. Um. Yeah, I had this thought this morning in the shower, which I was remembering that someone said to me. You're too smart to not be doing exactly what you want to be doing in this industry, which is a terrible thing to say to it's someone. It's a terrible thing to say. And then I thought, I'm 40 and I'm not doing exactly what I want to do <laughs> at all. Maybe I should just hang it all up. I'm a big failure. And like the thought came, it wasn't, it wasn't pieced out mm-hmm. or parsed out. I think parsed out is. I don't know what the right word for what it wasn't, but it wasn't that. It came like a flash. It right. was so fast a that it was like formed, fully formed yeah. self-doubt that I have had before just in different clothing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I imagined, what if I tweeted something like, um, I'm so fortunate to be doing exactly what I want to be doing and I'm grateful for every second, which... I would never tweet something like that if there weren't a joke in there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't tweet it all. But I was like, that is actually, I I think that that is the message that people take to much more. Mm -hmm. I you know, maybe I should just like put all this stuff that I'm sharing into the microphone and with everyone away and just present this complete other message of like, I'm just exactly where I want to be and everything's so hunky dory, but that's bullshit. (laughs) Although I see the appeal of it. Right. I don't even have a question. I'm just, I'm just putting, I'm just saying shit. Are you relating to any of it? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I, I think that um, it is, it's a crazy thing when somebody puts it all on you that uh, you should, you should be able to figure out a way <laughs> right. to have everything that you want to have. And that's crazy. That's just not possible. Yeah, because it's not. It's just not up to you. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Kind of there's, what you were saying. There's, yeah. there's a lot of factors that go into it, and you know, it, it's. I, I think that those moments where you are dissatisfied with what you're doing, um, as as corny as it sounds, I try to make myself look at it as a possibility, as as a, as an opportunity to do something different. And, uh, and I know myself in that I, I will get, I'll get bored with things over time and feel like it starts to feel 
I, I call it the tyranny of the template. If I over the years, I've I've had a lot of different creative endeavors that uh, were fun for a while, but then it just felt like I'm refilling the same template over and over mm-hmm. again, and I'm not finding any joy in it anymore because this thing, even though I'm in control of it and I'm in charge of what the template is. I feel like I've painted myself into this corner where I can't see what else this thing can be and I just don't want to do this thing anymore. I want to do a different thing. Right. You know? Um and so I I you know when it a while ago I wanted to be an actor. I I thought I I suffered from that thing that a lot of people I think suffer from where like to do movies seemed like the most legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. And this, but this was back before television got so good, you know, and where there were like man, a couple good TV shows on, but really the movies were where it's at. And I thought like that will make me, that will make me valid, right. you know? And I had a manager at the time who was saying, I think you should be the host of a television show. I think that you, you are, you are naturally gifted in that area. And I think that's a thing you and I'm like, no. <laughs> I want to do this thing that was essentially me seeing myself through the eyes of other people. Um, And then it took me years and years and years until I ended up actually hosting a television show where I was like, oh, I do enjoy this and I'm good at it. And, you know, I think this is what I want to do. And then was um, that when you hosted Best Week Ever? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I I think and I got a taste of it because I did like a pilot presentation thing. where I was the host and I, and that was my first experience where there was like, I think actually I am good at this. I could see this being a fun job and something that is, is in my wheelhouse, you know? Did you have that same manager at that point? Yeah, I did. Well, I, at that point, mm-hmm. and then she retired from the business by the time best week ever happened. And, um, I think about that so much like, wow, she really had, a vision for me like she could see this thing and i wish that i i wish that i'd had the maturity the tools at the time to really hear what she was saying mm-hmm. you know and to listen to her and to pursue it um but i didn't like i was just you know this was way before i ever went to therapy and i was you know i had a lot, I had a lot of problems I had a lot of problems where do you think um the desire to be legit comes from to be validated like oh, that. Well, for me, I, I would imagine it's classic, like you know, a, a middle child in a big family, and and you know, wanting wanting validation from somebody, you know, like like not just love me, but acknowledge me. Mm-hmm. Like, please, someone tell family, me. Yeah. yeah, I was I was the fifth out of six kids, and it was three girls and then three boys, and I was the middle boy, and and so like the. It, it was essentially like we were two families at a time because first it was the girls and then they grew up and moved out of the house and then it was mm. me and, and me and my brothers and I and my mom was unhappy you know she she and my dad had had a bad marriage and um you know it was very it was always very tense in the house and and my dad was very detached and distant and you know so it was it was like just the idea of dad and um. Uh, our angry mom, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a drag, you know, it was really a drag and, and, and constantly being made to feel like, Hey, you are kind of a problem, you know, like you are, my life would probably be better if I did not have all these kids and my useless husband. And, you know, you are, you are really, you are letting me down, you know? Mm. Um, and so when I, that feeling of wanting validation was, uh, it was really like, Hey, I want I want somebody to see me as a person. Like, 
please just tell me I'm a human being on this planet, alive like everybody else, you know? Um, And I think that was... I think in in showbiz, there's so many people that have that same story, you know, similar stories that they're just like, I want people to like me and I want people to, I, I, I need something to to prove that I am alive, you know, that I'm real and that somebody cares about me and, you know, that, that I matter to someone, you know, it's, it's, it gets into such tricky stuff because you, you kind of think, and I think the, the common trope is that you're looking for that you're looking for love if you're seeking the attention of strangers but there's part of it too and and part of relationships um of any kind i think it's like you want to matter to someone you want you want someone to think of you you know to i don't know i don't know what that is i i it's a certain kind of specific validation of like Oh, when I when I'm not around, like you, you still see power. my face. Yeah, you have staying power. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That like you're important to someone, mm-hmm. you know. Which is, I, I mean, that's bound up in love. But I don't know. I, I always think of it as as its own separate thing, right? If that makes and, any sense. No, it totally does. And then there's that weird wrinkle, though. I almost was going to call it a pathology, but I don't. I don't think I'll go that <laughs> far. But you want that, and yet. You definitely have that. And I have that too, To You know, there's a, a lot of people who love what we do, mm-hmm. but it's not quite enough. It's great, but there's, yeah. there's a little more that we could get, you know? Yeah, because I, I guess there's the fear of how long will they love it and how long will that last? And, and don't I need to be getting new people all the time? And, um, you know, a, a big fear for me is, is, uh, you know, again, like the, the, the tyranny of the template is like running through. And I've done so many comedy podcasts at this point that I'm like, oh man, am I just repeating the same things over and over again? Am I just doing endless variations on the same thing? And it's the fine line between here are the, here are the stylistic hallmarks of me as an artist. And here's where you're just literally saying the same shit over and over (laughs) again, you know? And I I really worry about that and I hope I hope that I'm mixing it up but when I listen back to my the stuff that I do that I make I catch myself a lot of times like oh, I've I've either said that before or I've said something just like that before or and it's all it also gets tough when you're riffing um where it's like have I <laughs> have I said this exact same thing before and I'll listen back and I'm fascinated by the 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 not not really the psychology of it, but the, the the science of it that I will listen back to say uh, me on comedy bang bang and so Scott Ackerman will say something and then as I'm listening to it I will have a response and then I have the same response on the recording. I know exact. I don't even know something that's similar. I know exactly what you mean because when weird, I listen right? back to my interviews, yeah. and I can because I was a journalist for years mm-hmm. and I would always record those interviews. And there's been like a handful of times in my life where I will be, for whatever reason, I'll go back and I'll be like, I'm going to you know, check out this interview that I did, probably because I'm interviewing them again from yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. I still have the exact same response. It's so weird to think that that stimulus creates the exact same response no matter when it happens. But see, then I get into, is it that or is it like it's the the memory of it is buried in your brain? Oh. Do you know what I mean? I and don't I, think it's that. I go back and forth between, oh no, it's because I've already said that or 
it's because in, but it's very scary to think like, no matter what, that's how I was going to respond. No, yeah, it is. Time folds in on itself. You would have no other response to this but that. Occasionally, though, I'll listen back and I'll be, I'll hear something and I'll think of a joke and mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh no, that's stupid. And then I'll hear myself say it. Oh. <laughs> so I guess there is a, ti- a tiny bit of growth. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I want to go back. No, don't do it. <laughs> Um, you know how to really mix it up, though, Paul F. Tompkins? I'd like you to tell me, Allison. Well, Rosen. it probably has a little something to do with ordering blinds from blinds.com for your home. <laughs> Here's the thing. They're not your average online window coverings company. Tell blinds.com, it's a place where a helpful team of friendly decorator experts makes it easy to order and install new window coverings. Their customer service team makes it easy, and they're with you every step of the way. Um, we have new dark blue Roman shades in our bedroom from blinds.com. I love them because they... Um, you could lower them from the top or the bottom. I love that. Yeah, because I'm the kind of person who always wanted to have the windows, mm-hmm. always had the blinds drawn before mm-hmm. because sometimes I walk around naked. But now I can. That's right. That's what I'm. I'm just living out loud. But now I can lower them from the top, <laughs> let in some light, right? feel as if there's. The outside is right there, and I can see it, and I'm making use of these windows mm-hmm. while still having privacy. That's right. It is awesome. And Blinds.com did help me through every step of the way, including I sent them photos of my bedroom, and they suggested some various ones, and then we chose them, and they walked me through it, and it was awesome. And you guys, August is either hotter than ever or hinting at fall. Either way, it's the calendar's reminder <laughs> that... <laughs> it is both... It, first of all, it is hotter than ever. It is hotter than ever. It's hinting at fall because I know fall's around the corner. Either way, it's the calendar's reminder that, God, I hope colder days are ahead. So August Sometimes, in life is hotter than ever. Yeah. On the calendar, it's hinting at fall. That makes sense. Because you look at it, you know fall is a coming. That's right. I hope colder days are coming too. I hope it so feels too. eternally hot. But fortunately... Cellular shades from blinds.com have you covered in both extremes. There's insulating properties, there's black light blackout light filtering cellular shades. Day night cellular shades, cordless cellular shades. You can walk around your apartment with them. Cordless. That's right. <laughs> you just pull them up and down. Will they work in the car? <laughs> if you have Bluetooth. <laughs> Go to blinds.com today and start enjoying your home and patio without that annoying heat and glare. You'll see easy in a whole new light with blinds.com. Okay. Let's go back to one more thing that's sort of sad, and then we'll move on to things that are less sad. The thing that gets me about that phone call, and I did not intend to have such a dark show, but whatever. Can I tell you something that's very weird? Okay. Is for some reason, I, 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 because I was thinking about it today, and I, for some reason, it popped into my head that it would come up in the course of this conversation. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe you in the future have already heard this. Or maybe you knew you'd bring it up, or maybe you- I did not know I would bring it up because I I didn't know I I kind of didn't uh, I didn't have in my mind like oh we're gonna get in some heavy stuff right you know what I mean mm-hmm. um it really just naturally we just naturally got there we did and and here we are <laughs> the thing that gets me about it is I have a real hard time with things that are delivered with a smile in a friendly way that mm-hmm. are very painful 
mm-hmm. because my brain has trouble processing that mixed message of like, oh no, this person is just looking out for me. They're trying to be nice, but what that, but it hurt what just happened. Yeah. Um, I would rather have someone like just be shitty on the face of it. Even with well, he hate was, comments he, from haters that are like, I usually like this show. However, you know, like, I'm sorry, but essentially is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's always confusing to me because I always believe the friendly nature of it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, it shouldn't be affecting me this way. I don't know. Does that part of the call bother you? Oh, I know. No, because he was, he was like, the the tone of it was like, I'm giving this to you straight. You know, mm, I it do was not, that. yeah, it was not like, um, there was no, there was no falseness to it. There was no like uh, trying to make it sound positive, even though it was negative. You right. know, it was. He was very matter of fact about everything. Um, so I never felt like I. It was not so much that I felt like he he could have done a better job telling me. It's that did I need to know that? Did yeah. I really need to know that? Because this was before they had tested the show or anything. It was before they told me they weren't going to do it. So it's sort of like, I probably didn't need to know any of that. And I wondered if he was like telling me like, this is why you're never going to do a show for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was, it was really weird. It was really weird in that, in that sense that I felt like it was much more about him than it was about me. Like he needed to make this phone call. Right. He felt like he clearly, he felt like I have to do this. And I, and I've wondered, I've a million times of like, maybe I'll just email and, and ask him like, why did you do that? Oh, you should. Uh, I don't know. I would, here's what I, I mean, would, I would love to just forget about it. When I said, oh, you should, it was because I'm personally curious. It, I wasn't like, oh, you should, that'd be a good move in your life. So oh, I just want to. Oh, you should. And then you should tell me what happened. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> then call in. Um, I don't know though. It would be interesting to find out what he said. Here's a very industry question. What did your representation say about the phone call, though? I assume you talked to them about it. Oh, I can't remember. I, I'm no longer with the, with the, that manager that I was with at the time, and and uh, uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember what the relaying. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered if they had any helpful thoughts. Um, so far, no one has. I know. I feel like I've done a piss poor job of. Uh, I did not it, mean to I indict know. you in that. Everything's about me for me, so <laughs> not really. Another thing, another thing, going back to where we started at the beginning of things about you that I learned. Um, so your dating history was pretty dysfunctional, should we say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah for yeah, a long yeah, yeah. time. You always yeah. liked, and I, I relate very strongly to that. It was always going for the wrong person yeah. and then... Um, just going for the next wrong person and kind of repeatedly yes. doing that yeah. until therapy helped you. And now you have a lovely relationship with your wife yeah. and you guys are not having kids. No, we are not. Um, it it comes up less and less and less. And it never came up that much to begin with. Mm-hmm. But uh, my wife very infrequently will kind of bring it up. But it's it's never, it's never a really serious conversation that lasts more than – you know, five seconds, right. you know, I think that we, I, I think that's a thing that you have to want more than anything or don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's a thing that you should do because you think, Oh, what if I don't do it? I think it's like, I want to have kids. You know, I, I, I think that will make you a good parent. You know, if you, if you start from that point and I, I always wonder about my, like my mom and that generation, 
because so much of it was you did what was expected of you by society, you know, and she was oh, so sorry. She yeah. was and she was Catholic and, and uh, you know, grew up in the time that she grew up. She was a, a depression baby and, you know, greatest generation and all that. And it was like unthinkable. Like, of course, you would have kids, you know, and if you're Catholic, of course, you'd have a million kids, you know. Right. Um, but I wonder what her life would have been like if she had, I don't know, got sought more of a life that she wanted rather than the life that was expected of her. That said, maybe this is what she wanted. You know, maybe maybe it was exactly what she wanted and it didn't turn out the way she had hoped it was going to turn out. You know, I have no idea, you know, um, but it's 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 a, it's a strange thing sometimes because we we also got married when we were I was in my 40s and she was in her late 30s. And, you know, it's like we weren't kids anymore. And at that point, we'd already kind of, you know, we were, I would say we were on the fence with her leaning towards the possibility of it more. And now I think it's just like we're both in our 40s and I don't think that it's, I don't think it's going to happen, you know, and we're okay with it. And, and no one ever pressures us. No one ever gives us a hard time about it. And, you know, so your friends think you'd be shitty parents. <laughs> that That's all I could, that's all I could figure. <laughs> so like, thank God you monsters are not reproducing <laughs> some hideous, ugh, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's just, I, it's just not us. I don't think. A lot of people I know who, uh, myself included, who have parents who were kind of moody, uh, are codependent or mm-hmm. struggle with codependence. Is that something that you struggle with? Yeah, I think so. I think to a certain degree, yeah. yeah because yeah. you get so adept at reading the temperature or taking the temperature of that person over there. Yeah. But I remember that when, you know, when you're talking about your relationship with your wife, you were saying that you guys really do function as two independent people and you're, you know, you are not only happy if she's happy, et cetera. Right. You can have separate moods. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think also when I was a kid, I was bad at reading that stuff Uh and I, I was bad at knowing what to do. Like clearly mom is angry uh, what should I do here? And the the attempts that I would make to kind of uh, bring her out of it or to make it about me instead, like, because I think if I'm honest, there was a lot of that of like, hey, what about me? Like, I didn't ask for any of this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're mad, but you're, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, <laughs> compared to you, I just got here, you know? <laughs> um, so I... I, I was not good at figuring out – I was not good at being codependent. You know, I think that I was, but I wasn't mm-hmm. good at it, if that right. makes any sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And now it's like when I have moments, when I have angry moments, you know, because I, I inherited that like kind of rage from my mother, like this sort of rage at the world, you know, when things are not going right. And again, I, I, I honestly think it's about being tired when something's not working right or mm-hmm. I'm trying to do just a simple fucking thing and why won't this work, <laughs> you know, and I can get very – Especially during my depression, I would get so despairing of like, there, there's just, you can't make anything work the way you want it to work. And there's no point to any of this. This is all stupid. You know, um, I will feel when my, when my wife tries to help me and the way I react to her 
it's like, oh, this is my fucking mom. This is the worst. And that makes it a thousand times more horrible. Because, like, I sound like her. It's terrible. How do you – or how were you reacting and how did she react? Well, it's like she's trying to help me and then I lash out at her. Okay. So impatient. Yeah. And then it's like I have to say, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not mad at you. Thank you for trying to help me. I'm really, really frustrated. Like that, that – even that, that took me a long time to get to. A mm-hmm. long time to get to, to understand, just to understand what was going on, you know, to have, to, to really have the, the understanding of, oh, you're not mad at her. Like, that's a true thing. You're not actually mad at her. You are mad at yourself. You're mad at the world. You're mad at whatever, you know, you're, you're frustrated and you're sad and you're tired and whatever, you know, that, that was a huge, um, <laughs> achievement to get to that point, you know, to have that presence of mind. And how did you get there? Oh, through therapy. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, uh, therapy helped me out so much, so much. And when I realized what it was like, oh, this is a tool that's at my disposal and it helps me figure things out, helps me understand why I make the mistakes that I make and, and to not maybe not make them again and to understand what my motivations are, why I feel the way I do and where it all comes from. Um, and, you know, I was very scared before I went. I didn't know because I it was the unknown and I didn't know what it was going to be. And uh, it it was a huge thing for me. And I haven't been to therapy now in about – I want to say six months, something like that, which was, and that was a big deal for me when I realized like, oh, you know, I haven't been in a couple of weeks. I think I'm doing okay. I think mm-hmm. I'm managing things okay. And then thinking like uh, recently, maybe I'll go back in, you know, for a couple of weeks just like to kind of tune up or whatever and, and you know, check in and, and see how I'm doing. And um, because I still, you know, I'm, I've, I've been in a place of, uh, you know, being frustrated. And sometimes it's just like, it's great to talk that out with someone whose job it is to listen and understand and help you figure out what you're saying. Right. You know, totally. What prompted you to get into therapy? Oh, it was like my last terrible relationship. You know, it was, it was like a, uh, and I, I talk about it. I have a stand up special that's coming out in the fall. And, and I talk about it that I, I fell in love with a female friend of mine and wrecked our friendship. Um, she was not, she did not want to date me. She was not in love with me. And I, everything I did uh, over the course of that relationship was the wrong thing. Like every single thing. So that I was so, I was so sad. I was devastated. She was, cause she had enough eventually. She was like, I can't deal with this anymore. And that was the turning point for me. It was like, I think maybe I got to talk to somebody because I can't do this. I'm clearly not doing a good job on my own. And I have to, I have to sort out what this is because I'm, I keep doing the wrong thing. Did, were you making, were you pressuring her? Oh, it was that it's, it's so, it's mortifying oh, when I think see about the it. Look of disgust it's on your face. mortifying when I think about it. It was that thing of, and I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with this. I'm sure so many women that are listening to this have dealt with this where it's that dude who, I think I was it's, that dude. It's like, oh, really? I'm where it's probably. like kind of like this anger that comes up where it's like, oh, yeah. You know, you're, you're getting mad. You're mad yes. because the person doesn't love you. That's what They're, you're mad about. Yeah, well, but you're, you can't you're say that, that. toddler that we were essentially talking about before who's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, having a temper tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. coming out of this adult yeah. or almost adult person. Yeah. 
It's because you can't say the thing you want to say, which is, I am mad that you don't have the same feelings that yeah. I have. And I'm mad that you're not thinking about me all the time. I'm mad that you're not right. wanting to hang out with me, you know, all this. And so it just, it, it's sort of like you're looking for legitimate reasons to be mm-hmm. upset or emotional or whatever. And, um, and it's, you know, it, it, I, 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 of course can't blame her. Like, there's only so much of that you can take, you know, oh, before yeah. you're like, I'm out of here. Yeah. It's th- a real turn off. <laughs> I think my energy was one of like, you can't ignore me. And that is also a humongous turn off. And that is why, like, that's the energy where men are like, she's crazy. Yeah. You know, and I don't yeah, know yeah. that anyone said that about me because I didn't act. It wasn't like I actually did anything yeah like i hear stories or maybe i've just seen it in movies i don't know i didn't ever actually do anything crazy but mm-hmm. i definitely had that rage of like you can't ignore me you yeah. know and then looking back it's like Ugh. yeah right Ugh. The it's worst. just so well it's the worst <laughs> it's misplaced yeah it's completely unearned and unwarranted by that person too because looking back like who cared about them really yeah i don't i don't even <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it that's exactly my this that last person I would not say that about. It was like I right. I there it was there were valid reasons why I fell for her and and but there's also I can see why oh that why it was a bad idea not just because it wrecked our friendship but because if if I really think about it like we would not have been a good mm-hmm. couple you know and um but the, the other girls that I dated and relationships that I had like why was I so hung up on that person that was yeah. ridiculous when I. Seeing them with the, with the vantage point of of time and saying like, oh, like they're they like no way, <laughs> like and they were I just des- I deserved better than yes. that, you know. And for me, they were kind of interchangeable too. I just Absolutely. did the same pattern over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look back and I'm like, I'm surprised they even got into it that far with me, given how needy and icky. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I yeah, yeah. was. And how much all of that stuff that I was doing, like, really had nothing to do with them. I was just mm-hmm. projecting. I'm tr- it was, like, all sorts of craziness. Yeah. Um, like, there was something else I was going to say about all of that. Oh, but in terms of dealing with that feeling uh, of being the other person, I think that being afraid of setting off that reaction, that anger that someone gets when they've been rejected mm-hmm. is why... I was always hesitant to even go on dates with people that I knew I wasn't interested in very much. Yeah. Because I was always so, I was so familiar with that rejection, rage feeling yeah. that I was just like, I don't From even, your personal experience. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That I just assumed that everyone has that. And maybe they don't, but. <laughs> I don't think they do. No, I no. I mean, this do. is when I was pretty young. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I don't think they do. And by the way, if you do get into therapy because something's being triggered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, I feel icky <laughs> even thinking of all that ickiness. I think this would be a time that we should take some questions over Twitter, and we have a new song. Um, when we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. No promises in that one. <laughs> that is just a straight up. This is what it is. Yeah. Larry Osberger says, is there any plot outlining that occurs before you begin an improv story on spontaneation? No. 
I would be contrary to the experiment, I think. Um, yeah, it, it really is. We get a, we get the location and I don't reveal the location. The way the show is structured is I do a crazy b- a stream of consciousness monologue. Then I interview someone, a person of note for, um, for, uh, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. For example, friend of this show, Scott Carter, whom I love. There you go. Scott Carter, a dear old friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not realize you'd had him on the program. I have, yes. And I went to see his play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it it's awesome. pretty crazy. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a great play. It is absolutely worth your time. Discord. Look it up. Um, then uh, we take a break. And then during the break, I ask the guest to write down uh, a location for our improv. And then when we come back, I reveal that location to the improviser. So no one uh, sees it until no one hears it until it's time to do it. Um, and the whole thing is completely in the moment. And it's been it's been a really gratifying thing to do because everything else I'd done up to that point was very produced and required a lot of work. And to be able to do something that's not only fun uh, while we're doing it, but once it's done, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Is like it's a miracle. And was that um, the impetus for the for this format? Let's say, yeah, it really, it absolutely not was. wanting to have to go through. It all absolutely that. Yeah. was. It was like, okay, I've done that. I've, I've, you know, done that. And I'm proud of the work that I've done in that kind of arena of like really heavily, you know, produced stuff. Let me try something. I was, I was trying to think of what do I like to do? What's fun? Um, that that can just take place in an hour that's a little bit different than just like a conversational thing where I would have to think like, what's my angle about conversation? Um, and then I was like, well, I like improv, you know, I, I really, and I really like narrative improv, just one long story. And I know so many people that are improvisers and also, um, you know, around the time that I was, that I was figuring out the show, the thrilling adventure hour, which is another thing that I've been a part of for a long time, was winding down. And I was like, oh, this would be a chance to play with these people to get to see them on a regular basis still, you know? So it was like, it all kind of happened at the right time. Sean says, which character do people recognize from most often? But I'm assuming I actually don't. I actually can't make an assumption about what he's asking. What do you think? Which character do people recognize from most often recognize you from most often are they asking which of your... i would think is the missing word right which character from, which character do people but recognize you from most often perhaps here's the question i'm going to decide that he's asking oh i like this when people come up to you uh-huh. which character of yours do they mention because you do so many characters oh, probably i don't oh wait i just realized what i think his question is <laughs> oh my god this is, that's twitter for you you do a lot of characters. Sure. It's not always clear that it's you who is the person behind the character. Oh. So maybe which one do they realize is you the most? That is an interesting question. Let's, I think that's his question. I don't know. Okay. Because I don't have the experience of people saying, I didn't know that was you until now. And now I do know it was you. So it was good you. on you, right? Yeah. <laughs> do people seem to have a favorite character of yours? I don't know if they have a favorite character. People do like to yell "kick boss" at me. Okay, that is for sure. Sarah, <laughs> it, might not, it might be their least favorite character, <laughs> but they sure do like to yell that at me. Maybe they just like saying "cake boss." I think they want me to say it back to them. Sarah says, "Which is harder, acting with puppets or voicing a puppet?" 
Oh, that's interesting. Uh, uh, acting acting with puppets took a lot of adjusting to because uh, you can't because they're not alive. And so you're not getting any visual cues that you get from people. Um, and especially when you're improvising, it's uh, it's kind of like I remember it took me a while to get comfortable improvising with the puppets because I can't I can't see the puppeteers at all. Um, uh, but it was weird because eyes like they're not generous performers. <laughs> they're not. They're certainly not generous with having real eyeballs, which they do not. And it it, it was weird when it dawned on me. I remember what a revelation it was like. Oh my god eyeballs are really important mm-hmm. to improv because you you're you because you're you're looking at each other you're indicating things you are uh you're you're it's a means of connection you know there's so much that your your eyes are important for in improv and so it took me a while to be able to improvise with puppets who have buttons for eyes you know and now it's like it's now it's weird that I'm used to it mm-hmm. um being the voice of a puppet there was a series of uh internet ads for the Ford Focus uh, that starred the hilarious John Ross Bowie, whom people might know from uh, uh, Big Bang Theory, um, and a an orange puppet named Doug, for which I was not the puppeteer, but I provided the voice because turns out puppeteering is a skill oh, yeah. that you can't learn in three days, <laughs> which they had me do. And then I did not, I was not able to master puppetry in three days. Um, so they had a guy um, do the puppeteering while I did the voice. And we developed this weird symbiotic relationship where sometimes I would kind of be leading what was going on. And so the, the, the puppeteer would have to adjust to um, my, uh, uh, what, what I was saying and, and adjust the physicality and, you know, all that. And then sometimes the puppeteer would start, like he would kind of leave with the physicality and then I would start, I would have to jump in with saying something appropriate to what he was doing, but it was always our, our timing was really, really good. And I don't know if you can find those ads on YouTube or anything, but they were honest to God, they were really funny. They were really fun. Let's see. Shiny blunder says shiny blunder. That's fake. How similar. Yeah. I don't think that was, I don't think it's blunder, shiny blunder. (laughs) How similar Slash different are you to your thrilling adventure character? And is there a story behind the last show, Kilt? <laughs> I played a character on the Thrilling Adventure Hour uh, named Frank Doyle. And it was myself and uh, uh, Paget Brewster, uh, who was just on Community and has a show called Grandfathered coming up. Oh, and she's on another period as well. Um, we played a husband and wife uh, a team of mediums uh, who were also uh, drunks. Um, Frank and Sadie Doyle. And, um, I would say, I would say that I'm probably, uh, similar in my loyalty to my wife. Um, uh, they, they, Frank and Sadie live for each other. So they, they only want to be with each other and no one else. (laughs) Um, and I think that, uh, yeah. And I think that I, I've gotten to a place that is very different from where I started out. I think that's another similarity to that character. Um, and I, and on the very last show that we did at Largo, I wore a kilt because we decided, well, we're going to, we'll all wear, we'll go formal for the last show. And so people wore tuxes and gowns and everything. And I had, uh, because of the nature of these characters, I'd worn like every version of formal wear 
that I could think of. And I was like, well, I haven't done a kilt yet. And so I think, cause I think somebody said it as a joke and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and I'd never worn a kilt before. And it was, it was really enjoyable. Joe says, what Hi, is Joe, your favorite? That's fake. <laughs> what is your favorite board game? Oh, favorite board game. Man, probably still Trivial Pursuit, I think. I've always liked trivia. And I have not I have I I don't know what the latest version is. I haven't bought a version of Trivial Pursuit in mm-hmm. a while. But that's a fun game. I really like that a lot. It's been a long time since I've played it or even been anywhere near Trivial yeah. Pursuit. I like playing that if you fly on Delta Airlines, they'll have an in-flight trivia game. Yes. I love that game, man. And do you, you play against the other- yeah, of course like- I do, and I destroy them. <laughs> um, <laughs> 1780s guy says, <laughs> casual dining restaurant. Do you partake in straw supplied after ordering soda or iced tea or leave wrapped on table? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Interesting. It depends on the place. Some places I trust their dishwashers more than others. You know, like, right. this place looks clean. I will drink straight out of the glass. I don't really like drinking out of straws that much. It's not that enjoyable. No. You know what I don't like? This doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes it'll happen. But it usually happens at home. When you put the straw in and then the straw starts rising out of your drink, I think the bubbles begin to push it out. Yeah. We need straw anchors. Okay. Because you don't have a lid Straw weights. That's right. La Star Trek. No, no, sorry. Jo- oh, here's another one from Joe, but I just, I want to know the answer. Joe. What is your favorite cheese? <laughs> <laughs> what is my favorite cheese? I'll tell you what, it's tough to be cheddar. Okay. You can put it on a lot of stuff. You can have it in a lot of forms, put it on a lot of things. You know who does not care for cheddar at all? Whom? Your friend, whom, to use the M. <laughs> Which is correct in both senses. Whom doesn't scenarios. like this cheddar cheese? Your friend, whom you said you adore, Lauren Lapkus. She doesn't like she doesn't cheddar like cheese? any orange cheese. No <laughs> orange cheese. I love when people break it down like that. that oh, they my God. They break color. You got no, I don't like white food. Whole podcast. We spent so much time talking about She's got really particular food tastes. I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I... I do adore Lauren. I love her podcast and it's it's it, it's very inspiring to me because it's because it's so different from week to week and and I love that she goes into it giving full control to the to the other person like I'm going to be whatever you say that I am. I I that's really that's a really ballsy thing and I and I love that show. I I I I really I think she is such a creative uh, uh, amazingly talented person. I agree. La Star Trek <laughs> says, how do you not totally lose it with laughter on Spontaneation? I almost crashed one time listening to it. I think if you listen to the show, you'll find that I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm notorious and it's kind of, it's embarrassing and yet I can't seem to stop it, but that I, I am, I laugh a lot on these shows and uh, it's not, it's not professional or good. <laughs> Everyone loves it though. Uh, I wish Carol they, Burnett show. I wish they didn't. I know, but the thing is, I come from a place of, and when I was, I, I did this variety show at Largo for many years, and it was a, a million different moving parts in the show. And what was that I, called? Uh, first, it was called the Paul F. Tompkins Show, and then I called it Variatopia. Yes. Um, and there was never a show where 
everything went the way that I wanted it to go. And people, sometimes people tell me like, yeah, but people like when mistakes happen. I'm like, maybe they would like it if the thing happened the way it was supposed to happen too. (laughs) That's true. But we'll never know because it didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. Matt Attaway says, and this is a two-part tweet. Oh, shit. Going through. Did he use continued or one of two? I love that you asked that. He used continued. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Going through something similar to the story from MentalPod about your unrequited feet feelings for female friend and that was the numeral four um advice for how to not become bitter toward the girl and how to move on with my life and art in a positive way is that the is this the story story. okay and you know what's interesting is i've gotten a lot of uh i did uh paul gilmartin's uh mental illness happy hour show that's what uh this guy's referring to and a lot of people uh have have asked me since then like I mean, how, what's your secret to, you know, how are you able to turn things around for yourself? And it's like, I told you it was therapy. It was like, it's work, it's work and it's, it's hard work and it's, it's unpleasant at times, but it's always building towards uh, a better future and, and your happiness and peace of mind. And um, the only way to not be bitter is to, uh, you got to wait that out. You know, it really is. So much of it is time. So much of it is time. And there's nothing in this earth that is going to make you feel better instantly. There's nothing. They, they haven't invented it yet. And uh, you, have to, you have to understand that it's a process, that it takes time, and that you will get there. And the more you do it, the, the better it gets. You know? but, you, but I think a big thing is recognizing that as bad as you feel now, that's not forever. Um, if you don't want it to be, um, but it does, it does require some work. It does require some work. And I was bitter. I was bitter for a long time. I, I would, you know, go back and forth between kind of, uh, being, uh, embittered towards her and hating myself. And now I, I, I don't think I'm in either of those places. Like I bear, I've, I've seen her since and we're fine, you know? And I, and there was, but at the time I never thought that would be the case. I was like, well, that person's out of my life forever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way, you know? And now it's fine, you know. Time time really does heal all wounds, and and but you gotta you gotta trust in it. And I remember the 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 second kind of bad relationship that I went on after that one, where somebody kind of like treated me poorly, and I resented that they treated me poorly. And I was really I was so hung up on this girl. And then like the the recovery time from that compared to my previous thing was exponential like it was crazily accelerated and i had already had a better perspective on things and was able to look at the relationship for what it was and say like oh okay i think i know why i did this and i think i know why it didn't work out and i know this was a bad choice for me and all that like happened in it happened so much faster i was able to to see everything so much more clearly Mm -hmm. so you know the thing is like you put in the work there find a therapist and maybe you're not going to find a good therapist right away a good fit for you I I went to therapy fully ready to shop around. Like if this person, if I didn't get a good vibe, I was going to try. I like, I got several different numbers, you know, but I was lucky enough that the first person I went to, it made sense. And, you know, but like really explore and find out and, and, you know, um, it's out there for you. You know, this is this, these tools are out there for you and, and, um, you know, just find the right person and, and do the work and, your life will get better. That's really good advice. 
Thank you. You know, it's weird. My husband and I were talking. I was going to say we played a game the other night, but it actually was, it wasn't a game. It was just me asking a question. Um, sometimes I refer to those as it's a, games. It's a very primitive game. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, what was your biggest heartbreak? And both of us realized that there's the 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 biggest heartbreak is one thing, but then the thing that potentially took the longest to get over, we're talking about relationship wise, yeah. the one that took the longest to get over for both of us, it wasn't, they weren't situations where our heart was broken. It was situations that were like really confusing right. and had an element of cruelty potentially. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's weird because I think that there can be sort of a clean heartache mm-hmm. that that's easier to get over than just a ginormous mind fuck oh yeah when you're young i think that's a question on par with like who's the one that got away where you kind of realize it's not so much that oh there's somebody that i i would probably still be with if not for this it's sort of like oh that person was a decent person that i kind of fucked over (laughs) yeah you know that was like a good relationship that i was not emotionally mature enough to be in you know right (laughs) and by the way regarding that quote-unquote game what am I even doing asking that kind of question? I I wonder as I'm telling the story, even though this was like four days ago. What did, I mean, like, what were you thinking when you asked it? What were you thinking of? I was just wondering who of the... Because I, I think we were talking about a girl he had dated in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, was it so-and-so? Because I, you know, I know a handful of names from his past. Right. Again, what am I doing? Um, and then I was just thinking about them and then i was thinking oh well which one is the one that that was the biggest heartache Mm -hmm. (laughs) that didn't answer the question at all i just repeated (laughs) the question okay and lastly (laughs) i don't i don't i pick at scabs (laughs) emotionally and others who doesn't though i mean you're right who who doesn't who feels that crusty nubbin and is like i'm gonna leave that alone because that'll scar yeah well i'll never think about that again yeah Okay. And finally, Brian Bailey says, what's the appeal of Werner Herzog? What's not the appeal? <laughs> Werner Herzog is amazing. His movies are his movies are tremendous and that he does so many different types of films are is mind-blowing. Like his documentaries are just as good as his as his uh you know, screenplays and and uh you know, I th- I think he's an amazing filmmaker and I also think he is a, a tremendously darkly funny human being. I think he's hilarious. Um, I've recommended this book so many times. Uh, Conquest of the U- of the Useless, which is about uh, his, his journals that he kept while he was making um, Fitzcarraldo, which is an insane movie that everybody... You should check out Fitzcarraldo. I'm not... It's ridiculous to say everyone should see this movie. It's not for everyone, <laughs> but it's for more people than you think it is. It's a really... It's a great movie. Um, and it's like nothing else. It's, it's a crazy film and the making of it was crazy. And this book, his journals are hilarious. Like he knows what he's doing. It's not like he's, you know, accidentally funny, uh, or it's ironic to think like this sad guy is funny. Like he's a funny dude. It's, it's really, I, I love him. I think he's amazing. There you go. Let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something. Your cancer's gone. What? You can't (laughs) say a thing like that. There might be somebody listening who has cancer. 
UCLA David 580 says. <laughs> what? Is this that robot that UCLA built? <laughs> yes. For travel, even after making a list and packing everything and checking it again, still feels like I am forgetting something. I think that's everyone. Yeah. I have that thought too. I have that feeling a lot. And, but it's galling, especially when you travel so much for your job mm-hmm. that you think it should be absolutely second nature. And so many times I've I've forgotten. I've left my toothbrush at home, you know, like things like that. But now it's like, then I get into this thing where I pack spare things. Like I have a, I, I use, I use, I, I hope this isn't classist. I have electric toothbrush. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a name brand electric toothbrush. I think and, I bet I know the name. Oh, what do you think? Sonicare. Yeah, Sonicare. Wow. You strike thought me about, as- thought about going Oral-B. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to treat myself to Sonicare. Yeah. Sometimes I'll forget. And so I have a, a you know, dumb old acoustic toothbrush that I just leave <laughs> in my <laughs> travel analog. bag. Analog toothbrush. <laughs> but then it's then I start doing this more and more where it's like chargers and things like that. And I have a, a you know, this, this just for this bag goes mm-hmm. in here. And then after a while, I sort of think, where does it end? Where I just have a fully packed go bag, like a fucking Walter White or something. Right. You know, I don't know. That is where it ends. Where I have a, where I guess I have to have have another set of everything. I have to have a spare set of clothes that I just take for travel that are, that just live in a suitcase. Not to be. That's not a bad idea now that I No, I know. Equally classist. My Sonicare broke. Oh. And I was like. Sorry. It's okay. I replaced it. Oh, thank God. Instantly. I was like, I cannot do anything until I replace it. And my husband. Because you can still just use it as a yeah. toothbrush. Oh, that <laughs> even, hadn't even occurred yeah, to me. Even if, you do, even if pressing the button does nothing, it's still a toothbrush. That hadn't even occurred to me. <laughs> of all the things that didn't occur to me, using that one as a toothbrush didn't occur. I was like, I guess I have some other toothbrushes. But yeah, my husband was like, can't you just use another, you know, just brush your teeth regular? And I was like, I can't. I can't anymore. I mean, so if what, I have to, I can, but. Did you not brush your teeth until you got a new Sonicare? No, I did. Well, no, no, no. I'm trying to remember the order here. I ordered same day delivery. That's how much I'm like, <laughs> I really can't live without this Sonicare. But no, I did brush my teeth the regular way in them because it happened at night. I dropped it. That's how it broke. It Ooh. didn't just break on its own. It had help. Full disclosure. Yeah. All right. Jen Woodward says, not sure why I bother to pay for in-flight Wi-Fi when it takes 10 minutes for my email to upload. Yes, even though I continue to pay for it, it is frustrating. I do that as well. Sometimes it's better than others. True. Um, and what you use it for, of course. Uh, but I I try not to do it if it's a shorter trip. Because of the cost because of the cost, the and it's like you can't. Because of everything, it's like you, you seriously can't wait three I know. hours to check your email. I know. You know, like if I'm flying to Portland or something, it's like you can you can go without email that long. Yeah, Take it, it makes the flight go faster though if you have it. I think. I disagree. Okay. All right, I disagree. I think, I think we I think we tell ourselves that, but I think that you would be better off with an entertainment of some kind. Like having a TV show or a movie on a tablet or having a book or whatever. Trivial Pursuit with your other passengers. Trivial Pursuit with your other passengers. Rather than more things that are connecting you to the ground. That's true. I will give you that. I think we have to remember, and I, this is a thing that I go through all the time, that I, I that only in the, in the last year I'm like, 
I have to remember that this stuff is not the boss of me and that I have to <laughs> – and that it's better to disconnect when you can. Yeah. Because otherwise – I saw this fucking commercial for some Android phone where they're like, hey, look, you know, you people checking their phones all the time. Like you're always checking your phones. Like now we offer a better way to check your phone where it's like it, – it's still the same thing. It's the same. This isn't better. It's but it's right. like now you can leave your phone flat and just like swipe this thing or whatever. Like that's – no, what we should be saying is stop checking your phone at the goddamn time. Yeah. So I, I've been making a concerted effort to not touch my phone in the car if the key is in the ignition. That's good. If And do not touch it. And guess what, guys? It's a big effort. It's a big effort. Oh, I know. I'm terrible with that. Yeah. But it's better. It's safer. It's better. I mean, in the car, that's a safety thing. It's safer, but it's also, it's the thing of like constantly being connected where it made me, it started to make me feel enslaved. Mm -hmm. Like this, this machine is in charge of me as opposed to this is a tool that I use. I started to feel like I have to look at it. I have to look at it. I have to look at it. And, um, it was bad. It was really bad. And I, and I, I don't know. I, because when I see other people on their phones all the time, it looks so dumb. Mm. <laughs> it, no one looks dumber than when they're on their phone. And I was like, oh, it was like when I stopped smoking and I would see other people smoking, like in front of an office building because they're not allowed to smoke inside. It's like, that doesn't look cool, dude. <laughs> it funny, doesn't look cool. The funny thing is that when you say, when you see people on their phones, the image I have, which I think is what you mean, is someone looking at their phone yeah. and touching it with their. But it's funny when he's on their phones, like no one thinks that you mean actually talking a phone on their call. phone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When it's people just. Yeah. Fucking exactly. Is that funny? funny. That, yeah. I, it didn't occur to me that that expression had changed meanings. Right. But it has. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's, it's, they're just dumbly mm-hmm. looking at, <laughs> looking at a screen and it's like they live or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, I know. Um, it also, just stating the obvious, takes you completely out of the moment of whatever you're doing. And that's that's the part that just lately has been – that I've been thinking about is yeah, absolutely. I'm sleepwalking or am I sleepwalking through my actual life yeah. because I'm tethered to Twitter or whatever it is all yeah. the time. And, and I am. But, you know, who knows what I'm really missing. Okay. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing that honestly, nothing that can't wait. Like the enjoyment. Oh that no, I, I meant of, in my real life. Who oh yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> that I I rescind my my statement. Uh, <laughs> I agreed. You're right. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> but how much of how much of Twitter or whatever? If you had to wait to see it, would you be like, oh, I can't believe I didn't get this sooner. None of it. None, None of it. There's nothing. It's all there's ends up nothing. being the same. It's just you know? compulsion. Yeah, it's just compulsion. Okay. Amanda Mary says, hair never looks as good as after getting your hair cut. Hashtag gal chat. Do we have the gal chat thing? I think we do. Gal chat. I <laughs> don't. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get a haircut and I'll be like, I got to. This one's got to grow out a bit for me to like it. Um, and I actually think for men, usually right after they get their hair cut is not the best that their hair is going to I think look. it's the worst. Yeah. I think it takes a few days to a week before mm-hmm. it kind of settles in. I will give you that. My wife, she will, she has very thick kind of curly hair. She has great hair, but she'll always get it like blown out for, you know, auditions or whatever. And I don't like it. You don't like it straight? I don't like it straight. That's actually advice that I've read. 
uh, for auditions, especially for hosting or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, to go in with straight hair. And Patty Stanger, if you're trying to date, says straight hair. I I don't know why That's that became. That's good that you like your wife's I hair. I don't natural. know why that became the thing. But I think I think everyone looks best the way they look naturally. You know that not like you can't wear makeup or whatever or do different things to your hair. But right. I think that they're like I think that your your hair is the color that it is for a reason. You know because it goes with your skin tone or whatever. Some people can I think are have it's easier for them to kind of cross the color spectrum with their their skin tone or whatever. Right. But I don't know. I, I kind of think that most people, you, you kind of look the way, you look best the way that you're you're supposed to look, you know? I don't know. Does that make any sense? It totally does. It totally does. Um, My husband and I were walking around the Venice Canals the other day, mm-hmm. which I hadn't, I hadn't been there since I was a kid. And I saw this woman who was hot, quote unquote, from far away, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, she was like dressed like a hot chick. Right. And she had long, straight blonde hair, and I got close, and I was like, she has really dark eyebrows, dark skin, and a nose job. And I was thinking, she I bet she looks completely different than her grade school photos. Mm-hmm. I mean, just completely a thousand percent different. And yet, yeah. there's so many people who are like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Emmanuel Ramos says, whenever I bring up Snapchat on my phone, I want to sing Snapchat like the theme to Gal Chat. That's that thing we just heard. <laughs> Snapchat. I like that. There we go. Lisa Lerney says, just mirror everyone. Cilantro is super delicious. No, I disagree. I don't like it. It's soapy and bitter. I think I must be one of the soapy and bitter people because, but I never had like the, the, the violent reaction that some people have to it. And I was, and so for a long time I was like, oh, I don't know if I have the, I think I'm in the middle on cilantro because some people love it and some people hate Mm -hmm. it. But I didn't realize, like you describing it like that, just now soapy. I think I'm one of the people that doesn't like yeah. it. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, in the right places, sparingly. Like in the I, garbage. Yeah. <laughs> just throw a little bit in the garbage, and I am good. Just give a little bit to the rabbit, and I'm fine. <laughs> Do rabbits eat cilantro? I would assume so. I bet they that, would. They that eat. would be a good test if you tried to feed it to a rabbit and a rabbit even Turned kicked it back. Little, yeah. yeah, his little pink yeah. nose. <laughs> I have I have friends who just bought a house. They bought their first house, and they, part of the deal was they had to inherit these two rabbits from whom? From like, the owners. Wow. They're like, I don't know why. Why? Why don't you take your rabbits with you? Yeah, they're like, the no, these guys going? live here. The end. <laughs> so I'm going to ask them to feed their rabbit cilantro. <gasps> That's so cute and weird. <laughs> They're pretty adorable rabbits. I bet they are. Bruised by Dawn says, okay, you know what? I got to go back and say something. Oh, oh. I st- and here's why. I have to tell you that I straighten my hair. Mm-hmm. Not, And I don't want to because now it's awkward. It's not that awkward, though. The reason I have to tell you is because otherwise I'm going to get tweets from people that are like, why didn't you tell him you straightened your hair? And I just don't want to have this out on Twitter. So I'm just mentioning it now. Do you ever not straighten it? It's, perm- it's chemically straightened. Right. So... Um, I can't unless it grows back in, which it will in time, but right. then I will straighten it again. But just recently, I actually um, let it dry in braids because I was like, mm-hmm. I would like to see a loose wave in my hair mm-hmm. as opposed to an enormous puff of frizz, which is what it would do on its own right. if it were not straightened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, it looks kind of good. 
So yeah, I'm okay with the, you know, and occasionally it's been a while, but for TV things, they will curl it. And then I always think it's insane that I've straightened it and now you're curling it. Right. But them <laughs> curling it is a little different yes. than the way, what it would do naturally. But see, I would not have known. I've never Seen known me you with, otherwise. Right, yes. exactly. I've been yeah, doing yeah, it for yeah. a long time. Yeah. But what you're saying about people looking good the, with the coloring that they are born with or whatever is really sinking in because just lately I've been thinking a lot about coloring my hair because I feel like I've had this hair color forever mm -hmm. and I just want to change it up. Have you colored it before in the past? When I was young, I would lighten it sometimes, but mm -hmm. I mean, just a tiny bit, like I put highlights in it. Right. But it's been this color ever. I think I stopped doing that when I was like, I don't know, 17 or something. It's a really good color though. Thank you. Well, so maybe I should keep it. I probably will. Nope. That's always my, my thought is always like, well, natural black hair on someone who's as pale as I am is rare. Whereas like, it's very striking. Thank you. Whereas brown hair would look just more normal. But then again, that would look more unusual to someone who doesn't know me for, on me. What were you going to say? I said, I'm going to throw out my toupee. I've decided. <laughs> Although it's chemically attached to my head, just like your hair is chemically <laughs> Wow. Wow. But I'm doing it. Thank you. Good advice. Do it. Bruised by Dawn says, if I miss breakfast and lunch, I try to make up for it at dinner. I suspect. <laughs> what? What's happening in your life? Miss <laughs> right. breakfast and lunch. Wouldn't you just naturally sort of make up for it? Like, wouldn't you just be hungrier or would you not actually? So she's making it. It's a why did, I, why did I assume she? Because you heard Dawn and you assumed it was D-A-W-N perhaps. Maybe. Or because it is it D O N? It's D O N. Bruised by Don. It's not. No, it's B R E W S. Bruised. Like <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, no. B R U I S E D B Y D A W N. I know. And I thought it was. I thought it was a little naughty. I thought it was uh, a lady being a little naughty. Oh, what a oh, weird like jump a I made. Yeah, like a dominatrix or something. Or like, a here's my card. Bruised by Don. Or a submissive. Right. I no, I, I was is... thinking Don like the time of day. I see. Oh, right. Yeah. No, this is uh, probably Donald who likes to have beers. Yeah, Bruce by makes Don. his own. Bruce yeah. by Don. <laughs> <laughs> what a what what a funny little story I told myself with that screen name. Yeah. Anyway, if you miss a meal, do you make up for it later? Um, I think it just by dint of being starving, right? But not like a conscious effort of like, well, I did skip lunch, so I should eat two meals right now at yeah. this meal. Exactly. Josu oh, and also, always regret it. Yes. Always regret it later. Always regret it. That thing, of when you get one? too hungry and you're eating and eating and eating, you, then you're eating so fast that your body is not, uh, ha doesn't have time to like tell you, hey, hey, hey. Right. And you <laughs> so overeat. So then later like, oh, why did I do yes. it? Yes. Yes. Josu Montenegro says, drives me crazy when the windows are down and a fly or other flying insect is in my car. Okay, look, people. <laughs> look. There's got to be far be it from me to cast aspersions on your just me or everyone's or the person who selected them, which was me, <laughs> from the submissions. <laughs> Waste on my own petard. But there's got to be like some people might disagree with me. I love when there's a bug in my car. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, it's the I'm, best. There we go. You know why? Because it's like you have a, a co-pilot, you know? <laughs> and also, I think it's exciting for him because usually he's got to do all the travel himself. He's got to fly from uh -huh. one place to another. And now it's like, hey, buddy, I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. <laughs> We're going to go from... <laughs> 
<laughs> Los Feliz to West Hollywood. And you've probably never flown that far. That's and you'll true. probably be dead tomorrow. <laughs> so I've taken you on the journey of a lifetime. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> I assumed everyone disliked it, but we found someone who likes it. And lastly, Robert Paulson says, when driving by a mirrored building or storefront, I like to watch my car moving. It's like I'm in my own car commercial. I like to do this when I'm walking. I don't normally do it when I'm driving because that seems dangerous, but I think I would like it. I don't know that I've ever had that experience. Mirrored buildings, I think, are harder to come by where we live. Yeah. I can't think of one off the top of my head in Los Angeles Maybe where that's you why could drive I'm not by it and see so it. strongly, yeah. Walking by mirrored buildings, I regret it instantly because of course I'm going to look at myself. Yeah. And then I get mad like, "Oh, that's what I'm walking around looking like." Always, do you always feel that way? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> yeah, lately I've been having some of those. <laughs> but it's like it's different things than it used to be. Lately it's mm-hmm. been like, "Well, my hair, there's no volume." <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset with my lack of volume, and then I move on down. But I mean, I start sure. right then at the tip I top. Move on down. <laughs> start right at the top. Have you ever had this? And I do think I've discussed this on a podcast before. It's a very weird, very brief kind of thing where you're driving and you see another car, a person in the same car as you drive by, and for a second, it's that flash of like, "Oh, that's me." <laughs> This might be a just me. You think you see yourself. I know. I you know. You think in another car. Yes. I have not had that experience. I don't even know where the experience comes <laughs> that's, from. By the it's, way. It's a really weird. scary to me. It is scary. It's a weird. <laughs> it's a like very a twilight, twilight zone. zone. Yeah, it is. It's not a comforting feeling. <laughs> it's a sudden like the I've, fabric the the fabric of reality is melting through my fingertips. It's like being trapped in a dolly kind of that's thing. That's terrifying. It's, I've had that with a photograph where it was like, "Oh, I thought that was me." Like oh, I, I saw somebody yeah. that looked like me in a picture. Uh, my mother one time came home from the supermarket and said, "I saw the black version of myself at the supermarket." <laughs> I saw a woman who looked just like me, but she was black. I was like, wow. That I've, I've been searching for the black version of myself for a long time. Is that, I haven't found him yet. I don't like to quote Adam, but I think is that, that might be what a black simile is. <laughs> I think that might be his word for that. Unless black simile might've had another meaning though. Black simile might just be another black person that I can't remember. For the purposes of this, let's say that's what that is though. Sure. Yeah. You have you haven't found the haven't black found version them. of you. I, I don't think I found the black version of me. Let's hope we find them. Let's. <laughs> now if <laughs> they you find are yours, probably trying to find us. I, I hope so. We're out here, guys. Yeah, just as hard. <laughs> There's a lid for every pot. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that driving thing is—it's very dreamlike. I it's, I would imagine <laughs> it's a split second. It and really sounds you, chilling. It's chilling, and it's like a. Oh, that's hint me. of a second, and then you remember. <laughs> oh, that can't be because I'm me. Because I'm me, sure. <laughs> Listeners, do you ever have that? Do you think for a second that you're in a body switching scenario, like a Freaky Friday kind of thing? It doesn't go that far. It doesn't go that far. It's just a. You flash don't look down of- at your own body, like to make sure. No. <laughs> it's just a flash of rec- recognition, right? I think I also I think it just has to do with looking in mirrors. Mm. And that that experience, because I also have the thing specifically when I'm driving where something will happen right. and I'll 
be I'll want to see it again and for a second I'll think I can rewind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just from all sorts of technology where you can rewind and just right. being behind a screen. Perhaps I'll see myself go by and I'll want to rewind and pause and see if it really is me. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins, <laughs> it's been so delightful having you on the podcast again. Allison, the delight has been mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to come around and give you all the moments you want to plug everything. But first, I want to tell you guys... <laughs> If you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, perhaps a new Sonicare toothbrush. You have to have it right away. <laughs> you need it that day. <laughs> Click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show enormously. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of my website. We have ringtones and singles available. And you hey, can get... Hey, right. hey, go fuck yourself. But there's also... Touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy. And there's also the studio version of the song that Greg Heller wrote for the Owl Quiz. If you listen to the Thursday show, you know what we're talking about. Um, and that is available for a pay-what-you-want price. All of these are available on gumroad.com slash Rosen. Again, gumroad, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Rosen. And two special bonus episodes available. Those are on iTunes in the comedy album section of the iTunes um, charts. I mean, iTunes store words. They're all coming out in the wrong order. And some of them are wrong. You guys, I'm going to be at Bumbershoot performing my podcast live all three days. A lot of amazing guests. We have Annie Letterman, Mike Lawrence, Sean Patton, members of the Thursday gang, Jenna Al, potentially Greg, Jeff Fox is going to be there. Daniel Quantz, my husband is going to be there. And Hutch Harris of the thermals is going to be there. And trap dog creator performer of all the, the music that you've been hearing on the show is coming out to play the songs live on the show. I could not be more excited. And there's a special guest who I can't announce the name of this person yet, but a super duper surprise special guest on one of the shows. Go to bumbershoot.com for it's tickets. It's no. It's, be, it's not Ben better. Affleck. It's even better. Matt Damon? No, even better. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. Email us ARIYMBF show at gmail.com. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on social media at Colonel Jeff Fox or check out my podcast at barracudaradio.com. And Paul F. Tompkins, where should we go for you? And tell everyone about everything that you'd like to plug. This is going to air as as people hear this. It'll be August 24th. Nice. The dog days of summer and fall the hint is just of fall. around the corner. <laughs> uh, I am uh, P.F. Tompkins on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can go to pauliftompkins.com uh, to see various things. Find out where my live shows are going to be. Um I uh, do live versions of my podcast, Spontaneous Nation, every month at Largo. Uh, the next one will be Saturday, September 12th, and I'm very excited that it's going to be uh, – my interview guest will be Kristen Schaal from Flight of the Concords and Last Man on Earth and Bob's Burgers. And the improvisers will be my friends from Super Ego. We're all going to be together uh, – doing this at Largo and there will be special things that only the live audience gets to see that will not be on the recording. So you really do want to see this show in person. Tickets are available at paulftompkins.com slash live. And I'm very pleased to say, even though it has not been announced yet, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to announce it. No, you shut up is coming back. Um, we'll be back on in the fall. We do not yet know when we're going to premiere, but we are going to be back in the fall. If you have not seen the show, check it out on Hulu. Check it out on YouTube. It is a funny, 
funny show. You can just check out season three. You don't have to go back to one and two. One and two is for completists. That was a kind of a different show. Season three is the one you want to start with. There you go. Now we know. Thank you so I didn't mean to rhyme. I wish I hadn't. You should end every show with there you go. Now we know. Now we know. Maybe I will. After the after the guest does their plugs. <laughs> there you go. Now, now we know. We know. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.